Welcome to White Sox Weekly. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Brought to you by Wintrust Bank, Mazda of Orland Park, on ESPN 1000. Chicago's new home of the White Sox. to Palmero, a ground ball, pass Jenks up the middle of the infield, Uribe has it, he throws, out, out, a White Sox winner and a world championship, the White Sox have won the World Series and they're mobbing each other on the field. October 26th, 2005, that's the last time the White Sox were on ESPN 1000 and welcome home White Sox, I cannot wait for the 2021 season, because maybe, just maybe, we have some more of that magic in store for all the White Sox fans out there who, while loved that back in 2005, waited a lifetime, no doubt. I think 15 years later, so what would be 16, the 16th season from that? I think uh, all of us can definitely get on board with the idea of hoisting another World Series trophy, a beautiful piece of metal, if you will. Welcome on in. I'm Jeff Meller here on ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. We're here with you every Saturday morning starting at 9 a.m. during the offseason. We'll be here for one hour, 9 to 10 a.m. So if you'd like to participate, 312-332-3776. White Sox fans, this is your forum to talk anything you want to talk about, anything that happened throughout the offseason. We will be here all offseason long. And of course, no doubt we will extend the show as the season begins, but right now it is glorious to have the White Sox back on ESPN 1000. It is a beautiful partnership that worked out very well the last time these two great franchises were together. And hopefully we have ourselves a very, very sweet ending just the way we did back in 2005. Cannot wait. I am Jeff Meller again here on ESPN 1000 and I am ecstatic about the possibilities of this White Sox team. Now, back in 2005, I was 24 years old, and that was really, for me, the first experience of a championship team that I rooted for. Back in 1985, the Chicago Bears took over the city. I was four years old. So my recollection of that, you'll forgive me, is not very good. Nevertheless, in 2005, that season, as fun as it was, was a bit of a surprise. I think White Sox fans can certainly... Identify with the fact that it was a great season, but it was a surprising season. No, I don't think most White Sox fans came into that year believing that that was the year the White Sox were going to win. Now, as the season unfolded, the White Sox certainly made believers out of the entire fan base. But it was the anticipation for the 2005 season was not there the way this year is. And as a sports fan now, I have come to realize and recognize that as much fun as championships are, it's important not to get lost in the end goal. It may seem obvious if you've read anything or maybe, maybe it comes off as trite, but it really is about the journey and appreciating the moments during the journey. And right now as a White Sox fan, I cannot remember a time when I've been more excited as the season was about to come upon us. I mean, if you look at 
you know, as a White Sox fan, that this team has arrived, no doubt, a little bit early. I think a lot of White Sox fans, there was excitement last year. But there was also a little bit of cautious optimism where you're saying, I'm not going to let myself get carried away just yet because I know there's a lot of young players who are unproven. Look, I know Luis Robert is supposed to be a stud, but will that actually come to fruition? You have to see it on the field. But what last year gave us in a crazy, wacky season, no doubt, 60-game schedule that none of us have ever, ever experienced and hopefully never will again, at 35 and 25, the White Sox really did, I think, fulfill some of that excitement that the fan base was really feeling. Now, though, we're at a point where the expectations, they feel limitless. You look at the team. You look at the roster. They're set. You, I mean, you have the reigning AL MVP in Jose Abreu, 33 years, the leader in the clubhouse. He's a stud. You're excited about him. Of course, he's the reigning MVP. Look at the roster. You've got very few holes. You've got Nick Madrigal at second, 23 years old, one of the few players in baseball who still has contact skills. I mean, it's a, it's a, a three true outcome league. Nobody can deny that. But you have a guy like Nick Madrigal who actually has a skill that is waning across baseball. That is very valuable. Tim Anderson at shortstop, 27 years old in the prime of his career. And for anybody who said to themselves, you know what? That batting title that I, I just, you know, Tim Anderson for a while got a lot of criticism uh, about the fact that he doesn't walk enough. And in 2019, he goes out and wins the batting title. And maybe you were a little bit skeptical. I'll admit I was. I, I said to myself, can he continue to sustain a 335 batting average? I mean, that's hard to do. Certain, certain players have that capability, but it was the first year that Tim Anderson had ever done it in 2019. And last year, while he didn't hit 335, he hit 322, and he had the exact same on-base percentage of 357, and 10 home runs, the speed on the bases, and the emotional leader in the clubhouse. Tim Anderson, can't deny you're, you're ecstatic about him. Johan Mankata at third base, 25 years old. Now, Last year, certainly, he dealt with some issues related to COVID. But you saw in bursts, in flashes, that the Yoan Mankata that you came to love in 2019 is still there. And I have no questions that he will be a foundational piece for this roster going forward. Eloy. Eloy Jimenez, the 23-year-old left fielder who, while... You may say to yourself, okay, defensively, I don't know what I'm going to get from him. You know what you're going to get from him at the plate. Lou Bob, Luis Robert, 22 years old, and he had his struggles at the end of last year. But the potential there is absolutely tantalizing. He is the most exciting player on the roster. The skills that he brings to the table, they make you salivate. Cannot wait. Right field, we will continue to discuss right field. That's an interesting situation that I know White Sox fans are going to want to weigh in. And I think a lot of people have a certain name in mind who they'd like to see in right field. The White Sox non-tendered Nomar Mazara this week, so he will not be back this season. But it was understandable. They went out. They needed a left-handed bat. You understood why they made that move. Edwin Encarnacion, the White Sox have parted ways. You've got Yasmani Grandal behind the plate. 
Will James McCann be back? I hope so. We'll have to wait and see. He certainly has proven that he's an excellent... Look, he's more than a number two catcher. He is a true starting catcher. So that's going to be an interesting piece. Will the White Sox bring back James McCann? I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things the White Sox can do in free agency. I cannot wait to see. And that's where I want to start today. I want to ask you, the White Sox fans. Today is the... This evening is the observance of St. Nicholas Day, the patron saint of giving. St. Nicholas comes on, or we're observing that he comes on December 5th, so tomorrow morning. If you wake up, you have children, you may have something in your stockings from St. Nick. Well, White Sox fans, I want to ask you, what are you hoping St. Rick, Rick Hahn, will Put in your stocking, your White Sox stocking, this offseason. Feel free to give me a call at 312-332-3776 and let me know what you'd like to see in your White Sox stocking this offseason. I haven't even broken down the rotation yet. We'll continue to do that. Um, Along with some major news that uh, if for whatever reason, maybe you were shut out last night and uh, all day uh, yesterday and you were unaware if you were maybe under a rock, and you missed the huge announcement. The White Sox continue to make noise all across the sports world, really, with the announcement, the major announcement, that Len Casper will be the voice of the White Sox on radio. That's right. Len Casper, who everybody in this city is very familiar with, will be taking over this season and going forward calling games on ESPN 1000, calling White Sox games for you. And, I mean, this announcement leaked out on Thursday, and I have to admit, I was stunned. I could not believe that the White Sox pulled off another huge offseason transaction like this. And I think I've heard from some White Sox fans who, no doubt, say to themselves, really, we're the, 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 the guy who used to call... Games for the Cubs on TV is going to be our play-by-play man. Let's set that aside, okay? I think everybody's always a little bit reluctant about change. And certainly the White Sox-Cubs rivalry seeps in here just a little bit. But if you can set aside your bias and your Cubs hatred, you can understand how great Len Casper is as a play-by-play man. And now, to hear him in the role as radio play-by-play man something that he has truly desired to do for a long, long time, his entire career. He's, he spoke, uh, he made the announcement with Cap and Jay Hood yesterday on their show. He also came on with Waddle and Sylvie and talked about why he wanted to pursue this endeavor. And like a lot of folks out there, he grew up listening to, he grew up listening and loving baseball on the radio. And it was the challenge that he finally decided, you know what, I want to do this. He said, on multiple occasions with both Cap and Jay Hood, with Waddle and Sylvie on a Zoom press conference. He said, if not now, when? So Len Casper is pursuing his dream, which is just an even cooler mesh with his, him pursuing his dream on radio and the White Sox right now in what I can't tell you is, is, is it may be the most exciting time in White Sox history to be a fan. I mean, with this young team, this young core ready to go, the possibilities are limitless, and I am psyched and excited 
And uh, happy to be with you here on ESP 1000. Again, 312-332-3776. I'll let you hear from Len Casper throughout the show here. Um, I'll give you a quick, uh, a quick little synopsis when he met with Captain Jay Hood on why he decided to move to the White Sox. The timing of this was simply there was an opportunity available that I had long thought about. And if you had followed my career at all, guys, mm-hmm. there were hints along the way. I did a daily pregame interview. I used to do it with uh, the pitching coach uh, when it was Chris Bozio and then Jim Hickey. Uh, last couple of years, I've interviewed various baseball people uh, and working with Zach Zaidman. And I did the fifth inning of play-by-play in the postseason. And I was on the field after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 interviewing all the players. So if, if, if there's anybody out there who had no idea that, that radio was embedded in my soul, uh, just consider that those were things that meant a lot to me, whether it meant nothing to anybody else. So that's why this is happening. And uh, I just, the outpouring of support is amazing. I feel like I've attended my own fu- a funeral over the last 24 hours. Uh, I understand some people are going to be upset. Uh, and, and I also understand that. I, I don't take that lightly. But uh, let's make it very clear, if there's any anger or frustration on Cubs fans' parts, it should be directed solely at me, because uh, I'm the one who spearheaded this this crazy idea in the first place. Len Casper, the brand new radio voice of the White Sox here on ESPN 1000 with Cap and Jay Hood yesterday, making the announcement that he will be taking over the play-by-play role here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller. Again, this is White Sox Weekly. We're here with you every Saturday morning starting at 9 a.m., 312-332-3776. What do you want St. Rick to leave in your White Sox stocking? We'll talk to you, the listener, next. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports is the new home, the new home of the White Sox. you hoping for in your white sack stocking on this saint nicholas day eve i'm jeff mellerhan white Sox weekly again coming at you every saturday morning starting at 9 a.m going forward so make sure you lock it in white Sox fans appointment listening to if you'd like to participate 312-332-3776 that's how you can join the show let's get things kicked off with kevin who's in south elgin what's going on kev how's it going jeff pretty good man Good to hear you on Saturdays again. Um, wanted to uh, talk a little bit about my uh, Christmas list, so to speak, but uh, not to steal too much of your thunder later on, definitely looking at some starting pitching. Um, you know, Bauer is, is the big get in the off season, but I think if they can accumulate a few starting pitchers to really beef up the staff, put a little less tax on the uh, bullpen, it's going to make them a lot more effective. So I would say that's probably where I would go. For my uh, my holiday list, but uh, wanted to check in about uh, your thoughts on Mancada coming up this year. Um, I know a lot of well, people are talking about last year not really being a, a, a big deal and uh, him with COVID, and so I wanted to know uh, what your thoughts were about him reverting back to his breakout season the year before and uh, where you see him batting in the lineup this year. That's an interesting question. So Yohan Mankata certainly struggled last year after he came back off of the COVID list. Now, 
I don't know how everybody else feels, but I certainly look at last season as an aberration. You know, it was a 60-game season with an interrupted spring training, and when the players got back on the field, they didn't have the normal opportunity to get their timing down. Obviously, Yohan Mankata had less than most because he was on the COVID list to begin the season. I'm still impressed with what he did back in 2019. He is somebody who has demonstrated ability to command the strike zone at an elite rate. You know, now he will strike out quite a bit because he's willing to wait for his pitch and he is also willing to take a walk, which also results in the occasional called third strike. Now, that's something that he was getting better at in 2019. And, you know, he, he, he received MVP votes in 2019. I am willing to give Yohan Mankata a pass on last year because of what he was dealing with and what everybody across baseball was dealing with. Now, if the season begins and he is still scuffling along a month into the year, I think then it's a little bit more fair to question, you know, how much of 2020, how much stock do you put into 2020? But right now, I'm willing to give him a complete pass, kind of write it off. And, and, and I think you have, at 25 years old, a superstar in the making. And I, I think the best is, you know, yet ahead for him. Personally, where would I, where would I bat Yohan Mankata? I think he's a, a great, ideal leadoff hitter when he's going well. He's somebody who, at the top of the order, can see pitches. If you want to hit him second, too, that's fine. I think one, two, either way. That's where, ideally, I, I would like to see Yohan Mankata settle in for the long term of his career. But you, he needs to get back to playing the way he was in 2019. And based on, you know, the crazy 2020 season that we saw, I think, I do believe he will. Let's try Kyle, who's in Mokina. Kyle, you're on White Sox Weekly. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Um Super excited the Sox are going to be on 1,000 this season and looking forward to hearing your show all offseason on, on Saturday mornings. Thanks, man. What's uh, up, Kyle? What do you got? So what I wanted to get into, um, so for my St. Rick stocking this offseason, my, my top of my wish list is um, George Springer. I think in right field he'd be a huge get for the White Sox. Um, great power bat, steals bases, you know, great athlete. Obviously it'd be expensive, and that's, and that's a tough thing given our history and free agency. So, that's my number one option. Um, but one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on in the trade market, I know we're talking about free agency, but mm-hmm. if the Sox were to trade Dunning and maybe another piece outside the top 10 of their prospect list for you, Darvish, and Jason Hayward to fill that starting pitcher role and lefty bat, right right fielder, um, what would you think about that? Okay, give, me on. give me real quick, Kyle, give me, give me the names you want for, uh, for you and uh, Jason Hayward. I would probably go Dane Dunning and then one of those outfielders, uh, Adolfo or Rutherford, and and see what see what the Cubs say back to that. All right, uh, I, I love the uh, crosstown trades, Kyle. They they never seem to get old for the sports radio topics. Um, I have to believe the Cubs would demand a lot more in return. I know some people have speculated that they would do whatever they could to get off of Jason Hayward's contract, but. I think they're at a point where they understand that, you know, he's such a good player in the locker room. Um, they're not going to give away their ace, you uh, Darvish, you know, a man who is, I think, you know, he would look great on the South side, of course. But I think everybody, as uh, the previous caller too mentioned, Kyle, you know, Trevor Bauer, like I think a lot of White Sox fans 
George Springer, Trevor Bauer, you Darvish in a trade, maybe Blake Snell in a trade. Um, I think you Darvish and Jason Hayward, you know, we have to remove ourselves from the city here. I, I don't think that's a realistic trade uh, partner for the White Sox right now. I don't think the Cubs are looking to move you, you Darvish. They're much more inclined to trade somebody like Chris Bryant. Also with the finances line up there too. Like you bring up the contracts. Do the White Sox even want to take on those contracts on the other side? No, it's, it's a great point. Tyler Aki, our producer here on White Sox Weekly, pointing out that there, you know, the White Sox, one of the, one of the reasons I'm so excited, I came out and talked about how I've never been this excited with this much anticipation as the season began was because, or is because they have all these great young players who you know are entering the primes of their career and they have the financial flexibility to go ahead and be nimble. They don't need to commit, you know, monster money for somebody else's contract who they want to get off of right now. The, the White Sox, on every level, are in a sweet spot right now. Again, that's why, as a White Sox fan, I have never been more excited. Uh, George Springer, certainly, he is somebody who is going to, you know, we'll see what happens with JT Realmuto, but I think Springer is going to probably land the biggest contract for a hitter this offseason. But again, it's him or Realmuto. We'll see how that market plays out. Springer's 31 years old, so... You, if you're, or he'll be 31 this season. If you're going to commit a huge number to him, you have to be aware that chances are on the back end, you may not like what you're paying for. It's become, I think, you know, fairly obvious now that once a player hits 30 in baseball years, even though they're still good, can be two, three, four great years left, you have to be concerned that it's not necessarily going to work that way for the entirety of the contract and that's why teams just don't want to get themselves locked into those huge deals anymore if they can avoid it you're seeing it all across baseball i think you have to also add in kyle that the the way the current pandemic pandemic we're living through has hit baseball the big you know locking yourself into a long-term contract with george springer while you may have the flexibility i've talked about with the white Sox. It, 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 you gotta, you gotta see the forest through the trees here. George Springer this season might be a great asset, but do you want to lock yourself into that big money deal? I love George Springer as a player. He would be excellent in right field for the White Sox for this season. But I do, con- I am concerned about the financial flexibility you lose going forward when, again, you look at the, the lineup. That's not the weakness on the White Sox. You know, like most teams in baseball, you can always add more pitching. That's the White Sox, I think, biggest issue right now is if you can add another starter to the top two of Giolito and Keuchel, that's where you say to yourself, all right, now we might have ourselves the possibility of doing what we did back in 2005, the last time the White Sox were on ESPN 1000. Let's try John, who's in Oak Lawn. John, you're on ESPN 1000 on White Sox Weekly. Hi, it's John from Oak Lawn. I've been a Sox fan since the 50s. Uh, There's a saying in... Real estate, it's location, location, location. Mm-hmm. In Major League Baseball, it's pitching, pitching, pitching. So I would hope uh, they would go out and acquire more pitching. Because last year showed that's where they kind of fell short. Yeah, so I know. I, for the White <laughs> I hear you, John. Uh, and that's why I think you'll see names if you read any White Sox blogs or you check out Twitter you see the idea of Trevor Bauer being 
one of the number one assets that everybody across baseball wants. Now, that's the thing. You have the National League Cy Young Award winner hit the market, and he's going to be highly sought, sought after. Trevor Bauer, too, is a very interesting case because he has, he has really been adamant that he wants to take a one-year deal. He has said that he thinks he pitches better when he's motivated. He thinks a one-year deal. He said this since he, he told a, a friend back when he was in high school that he was going to take one-year deals when he hit free agency. And I kid you not, the, his friend said, no, you won't. If you get the chance to make, take a big money deal, you will take it. And Trevor Bauer said, no, look, if, uh, if the, if the opportunity is there, I'm going to take one year deals because I think I'll push myself and get the best out of myself. And if I don't do that, uh, and I kid you not, this is Trevor Bauer to his best friend saying, Hey, here's a paintball gun. I'm going to stand 10 feet away from you and you can go ahead and light me up in the, uh, the sensitive areas, if you will. This is Trevor Bauer. He's come out and talked about this publicly, how he wants to take a one-year deal. He thinks he will maximize his value as, um, as a player. And I, I think that's an interesting scenario. We have to see if Trevor Bauer is truly willing to do that. I don't know if you, know, if, if you have a big-money contract, a long-term deal staring you in the face as a pitcher. It's one thing to talk about it, wanting to do it and set the market like that year in and year out when you're, you know, a teenager, you know, as a high school player and you ha- know you have big a big future ahead of you. It's a completely different, though, scenario when you have it staring you in the face. When someone's saying, hey, here's a five, six, seven year deal for 200 plus million dollars, you know, would you take it? Eh, you might have. Are a we all the thought. most fiscally responsible at 17, 18 years old, too? Like, yes. Exactly. Yes. Sure. Sure. You never uh, spend frivolously as a uh, 17, 18 year old. Good point, Tyler. Um, let's try Bob, who's in Evergreen pa- uh, Park. What's up, Bob? You're on White Sox Weekly. Okay, good morning. I just wanted be- to to bring into the loop, besides signing a frontline pitcher, I think that the priority for the White Sox and free agency is signing James McCann. I really think that his leadership and the way he handles the pitching staff and then the added offense that he brings, I think that you know, if we lose him, that's a big part of the chemistry that, that we've been able to accumulate on the south side. And and, and another thing is, I, what is the chances of us getting away with Adam Engel and his defense out in right field? Because we have plenty of other spots where the offense is going gonna, is gonna to come from. So I just wanted to bring that point up. I think it, it'll be a big mistake for the White Sox to let James McCann uh, go to another team. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Bob. Uh, I think you make an excellent point. And when I really sat down and was talking about, okay, what do I want the White Sox to do this offseason? You have hit on my number one priority as well. Now, James McCann may have the opportunity to go and be the number one catcher for somebody else. And that might be something that appeals to him too much. And that may be the one thing that the Cubs, I'm sorry, the Cubs, I was thinking about Len Casper there. The one thing that the White Sox cannot overcome is... They may not, they, because Yasmani Grandal is on the roster, can they offer James McCann enough playing time for him to be willing to come back and be a part of this team going forward? But I'm with you. If, if James McCann can be had and brought back by the White Sox, I completely agree with you, Bob. That's something that I hope they can make happen. Because Lucas Giolito is your ace. And as much as Lucas Giolito is a great teammate and willing to throw to Yasmani Grandal when he has to. 
it's undeniable that James McCann gets the most out of Lucas Giolito. And if nothing else, as, as much as James McCann brings as a player to the plate behind um, as a batter and then behind the plate as a catcher, what he, the, him and Lucas Giolito are simpatico when he is on the mound and he is, and, uh, as the battery. And I think James McCann being brought back with the White Sox should be the highest priority. Now, again, I don't know if they can offer him the playing time that he's going to want, but I do think because you, you've seen the best out of Lucas Giolito, and that's the one thing that's most important to me as a White Sox fan, is I want him to continue to dominate the way he can, and I'm hoping the White Sox can bring back James McCann above all else. I do agree with you, Bob. I think that is probably the highest priority because everything else, it's uh, set up to be a very good situation for a long time. I'm Jeff Meller here on White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Again, brand new show, the inaugural show of White Sox Weekly. We're here every Saturday morning starting at 9 a.m. for you, the fans. Feel free to participate, 312-332-3776. Let me know what you want, St. Rick, to put in your White Sox stocking this offseason. Coming up next, they've already delivered their radio play-by-play voice. We're going to let you hear him on the station yesterday next. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss something, podcasts are available on the new ESPN Chicago app. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Chicago White Sox made some major news yesterday by announcing that the brand new radio play-by-play voice will be none other than former Cubs television broadcaster Len Casper. And I think a lot of people were stunned to hear the White Sox pull off such a major coup there. And why did it come to happen? Well, Len Casper joined Cap and Jay Hood yesterday as we made the announcement that Len will be calling games here on ESPN 1000, calling all White Sox games on the radio. Um, actually, not all. I should point out that uh, part of the reason that Len was so intrigued by this opportunity, as he's talked about on a Zoom press conference and along with Waddle and Sylvie and Cap and Jay Hood, he mentioned that um, he's going to have the opportunity to do some television work with Jason Benetti as well, and that was part of the appeal for him. So Len Casper joined Cap and Jay Hood yesterday as the station and the White Sox unveiled that Len Casper is the brand new radio voice of the White Sox. Guys, this is uh, this is an exciting day. Uh, my head's spinning. Uh, I think a lot of people's heads are spinning. Uh, I'm sure uh, we can kind of go through this process here uh, over the next few minutes, but I just want to start by saying. 12-year-old Len Casper is as thrilled as can be. Uh, Anyone who's known me for more than a day in this business understands how I was drawn to the game of baseball. I wanted to be Ernie Harwell, who was the longtime Hall of Fame radio voice of the Tigers. And my baseball broadcasting career uh, took a different turn, and it, it was an amazing turn. It was into television. Uh, I was often asked if the Cubs job was my dream job. I said, no, it was well beyond my dreams. And that is true and will be true until the day I die. Um, I've banked 16 amazing seasons with them. And uh, at my age, and I think anyone out there who uh, is uh, around 50 or so can understand this, uh, you think about uh, your legacy, you think about 
things that you'd like to do uh, before you retire or before uh, the end of your life. And this was something that I had been thinking about uh, for a long time. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of people out there might wonder why I would uh, make a move like this. And uh, as I said, we, we can we can go through some of the, the, the process. Uh, I just want to say a couple of things, and I don't want to make this a an Oscar speech, but uh, I want to thank uh, the chairman, Jerry Reinsdorf, and, and Brooks Boyer in particular for immediately embracing this idea. Uh, and I especially, you know, and typically when you, when you take a job like this, you, you thank the people who are bringing you in, and that is paramount. Uh, but because of the unique nature of this move uh, from one big league team to another cross town, uh, I want to give a very special thanks to, to two uh, hugely important people in my life, personally and professionally, uh, and, and those guys are Crane Kenny and Mike McCarthy. What made this decision more difficult was my relationship with those two guys, and the start of the Marquee Network in particular uh, was so exciting. Uh, through a pandemic, to try to start a TV network, you have no idea of the behind-the-scenes challenges that were overcome to get Cubs baseball on the air this year. The timing of this was simply there was an opportunity available that I had long thought about. And if you had followed my career at all, guys, mm -hmm. there were hints along the way. I did a daily pregame interview. I used to do it with uh, the pitching coach uh, when it was Chris Bazio and then Jim Hickey. Uh, last couple of years, I've interviewed various baseball people uh, and working with Zach Zaidman. And I did the fifth inning of play-by-play -play in the postseason. And I was on the field after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, interviewing all the players. So if, if, if there's anybody out there who had no idea that, that radio was embedded in my soul, uh, just consider that those were things that meant a lot to me, whether it meant nothing to anybody else. So that's why this is happening. And uh, I just, the outpouring of support is amazing. I feel like I've attended my own fu a funeral <laughs> over the last 24 hours. Uh, I understand some people are going to be upset, uh, and, and I also understand that. I, I don't take that lightly. But uh, let's make it very clear, if there's any anger or frustration on Cubs fans' parts, it should be directed solely at me, because uh, I'm the one who spearheaded this, this crazy idea in the first place. <laughs> well, well, Len, um, when I first heard about this, I turned to Cap, I said, do you understand the history of what's happening here? You think about Harry Carey and Jack Brickhouse and Steve Stone and Bob Elson, those broadcasters both did the Cubs and the White Sox, and now you're part of that history. Does that resonate with you at all? You know, Jay, it, it, it does resonate, but it has nothing to do with this decision. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I love the fact that it's a two-team town. That, that always intrigued me. And you've got a charter member of the National League, which, you know, every year when we started, I would say it's the 134th National League season of Chicago Cubs baseball, and I'll do that. Uh, with the White Sox, uh, going back to the early days of the American League. The rich history here is unmatched. And to be able to experience 
uh, those things on both sides of town was incredibly alluring. Um, but it wasn't as if I thought, well, I've got to do the reverse Harry, or I have to make sure I match, uh, you know, what Jack Brickhouse did, or, uh, you know, I know Stoney has, has worked uh, and played for both teams. Uh, DJ played for both teams. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating connection. And, and let me also say that this was a frictionless week. Uh, the amount of cooperation between Crane uh, and Mr. Reinsdorf and Brooks Boyer and Mike McCarthy and Tom Ricketts, uh, it, it really was something to behold. There, there was no animosity. This was all done for the right reasons. Um, the Cubs did everything they could to keep me, uh, but at the end of the day, my, my gut said that this is something I want to try and do, and uh, here we go. Len Casper with us. He is the brand-new play-by-play voice here on ESPN 1000 for the Chicago White Sox. They're in the release that the White Sox sent to us. It says, in addition to his radio duties, Casper will serve as a member of the television announcing team for approximately 20 to 25 games on NBC Sports Chicago, depending upon schedules during the season. And Casper and television play-by-play man Jason Benetti plan to collaborate in creating several multimedia projects throughout the year, connecting White Sox baseball with fans in new ways. Can you shed more light on what that means? Because obviously we're huge fans of you, also huge fans of Benetti. That guy's awesome. I just want to ride his coattails. Uh, i got to be honest. <laughs> All um, right. I talked to Jason last night, and he dug up an email from like 2010 that he had sent me uh, regarding his work when he was doing, I think, AAA games. And I was just absolutely blown away at uh, his insight, his wit, his voice. Uh, He's one of the wisest human beings uh, I've ever met. I can't believe he's 36. Uh, He's he's an old soul in a young man's body. And uh, I'm so looking forward to, to hanging with him. Uh, I, I, I had a long chat with DJ last night. Uh, what a great guy. We've been friends for a long time, and I can't wait uh, to work with him. Uh, I told him the over-under on calling you JD is about 12 in the first month of working together. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Jason and I are going to have some fun. You know, I think there might be a podcast in our future. Um, and, guys, I, I'm going to get to do a handful of games with Stoney, which I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, I've, I've long been a huge fan of his work. And remember, when I applied for the Cubs job uh, going into 2005, it would have been November of '04. I thought I was going to be – if I got hired working with Stoney, uh, it didn't work out that way, and I ended up with, with Bob Brenly and then, and then Jim Deshays, two, two of the greats. Um, but it, it, it'll be fun to do a, a handful of games with Stoney, too. That was Len Casper, a portion of his conversation with Cap and Jay Hood yesterday as we announced, along with the White Sox, that Len Casper will be the brand-new radio play-by-play voice of White Sox baseball here on ESPN 1000. I am Jeff Meller. This is White Sox Weekly, the inaugural show. We're talking to you, the fans, here, 312-332-3776. Every Saturday morning, starting at 9 a.m., I'll be here to take your phone calls, let you react to whatever you want to talk about regarding the White Sox. Again, that was a portion of the interview with Len Casper yesterday, Cap and Jay Hood had. 
as we made the announcement. Also, Len joined Waddle and Sylvie. If you'd like to hear some of those, just download the ESPN Chicago app. It's a great app, great way to listen to the station when you're not in your car, if you're listening on a smart device these days. Perfect opportunity. Just download the ESPN Chicago app, and we've got all the podcasts there available at your fingertips on your smartphone to pair with your smart speaker. Again, I'm Jeff Miller here on White Sox Weekly. We will continue to talk to you, and the White Sox made a couple of announcements. They have finalized their coaching staff this week. I'll share that with you next. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Hey, Chicago, the White Sox are back. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Big news in the Anderson household every time he hits a home run because they have a ritual at the Anderson household when he hits a home run. It's spaghetti night for dinner. He gets a big plate of spaghetti. So he loves the home runs. Tim in the air, left field. It's time for a pasta party. Cook it up. Throw in some meatballs. one nothing socks. Tim hits a dart. Deep left field. He watches it fly. This is gone. The Tigers have felt this wrath before and cook up the pasta. It's 5-0. We know what's for dinner in the Anderson household tonight. Same thing's been to dinner for the last week. On top of spaghetti, all covered with cheese. I lost my poor meatball when somebody sneezed. Highland, courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago, Jason Benetti, Steve Stone on the call there. And that was one of my favorite moments of the last season, finding out that when Tim Anderson homers, the entire family gets to celebrate with some spaghetti. And kudos to the White Sox uh, Twitter feed, as earlier this week they tweeted out a photo of Tim Anderson with Tim Anderson pasta. Uh, obviously tongue-in-cheek, but that is uh, some pretty cool uh, marketing by the White Sox. One of my, like, Tim Anderson has been somebody who, you know, I think if you're a White Sox fan, you're familiar with the fact that he lost his best friend tragically uh, back in 2017. And he talked about how it really just messed with him for an entire season. I think it really hindered his development as a player. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough never to have lost somebody so close to you, maybe it's hard to understand what he was going through. But um, to see him come through and become the player that he has over the last couple of years is really been something that I didn't expect as a White Sox fan. But seeing him become really the face of the franchise in a lot of ways has been Pretty cool, and that was one of my favorite moments of the 2020 season. I'm Jeff Meller here on White Sox Weekly. We're here every Saturday morning starting at 9 a.m. for you. If you'd like to participate, again, 312-332-3776. The White Sox also announced that their coaching staff has been finalized. If you missed it this week, Miguel Cairo was named the bench coach, and Miguel Cairo had talked earlier this week about his experience with Tony La Russa. I learned how to win. That's something that, you know, he hate losing. I hate losing. And, and something that you you learn with him is about how to be a professional, first of all, uh, first of all and, uh, and how to win. 
You know, I think he's one one of the most prepared manager I ever been with, and uh, and you can tell by his record. You know, he don't he don't miss anything, and uh, he's he's way ahead of another manager, another team. He he managed the team before he managed the game before before the game happened. So it's 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 unbelievable how smart he is and how well prepared. He is. So there you go, Miguel Cairo, the new bench coach for the White Sox. A very glowing endorsement of Tony La Russa. I know some White Sox fans have been hesitant about the hiring of Tony La Russa. And, you know, like I personally was hoping that maybe A.J. Hinch would have been the manager that they chose. But when you really get past the fact, like, I don't know if A.J. Hinch would have worked out perfectly here. He was the guy that I was intrigued by because he had won a World Series in Houston. But Many people will tell you that the cheating scandal that the Astros had was probably not the direction that the White Sox wanted to go. And so if that's the case, fine. I thought he would have recovered and been okay. But Tony La Russa has three World Series trophies on his ledger. And, you know, everybody who's ever played for him, if they've been with him for a long time, they will tell you he knows baseball. And I think if you're a White Sox fan and you as much as I've talked about how fun last year was it was also disappointing to see the way the White Sox season ended in the playoffs and you know a lot of people had some issues with Ricky Renteria and that's why you know they chose to part ways this team is truly ready to win and to go back to what I was talking about at the start of the show they're ready to win I'm excited about it and when you've got Tony La Russa on the step in the dugout, I think you can probably be assured that he's not going to cost you games in the playoffs. And I think more than anything else, that's the one thing I can take away. I'll wrap up by letting you know that the White Sox also announced that Ethan Katz, who was Lucas Giolito's pitching coach back in high school, has been the, uh, named the assistant pitching coach. Frank Manichino will be the hitting coach. Uh, Howie Clark, the assistant heading coach, first base coach Daryl Boston, Joe McEwing moves to third base coach, and Shelly Duncan will be your analytics coordinator. So there you go, the coaching staff for the White Sox. Again, White Sox Weekly, thanks for joining me on the inaugural edition here on ESPN 1000. We'll be with you every Saturday morning starting at 9 a.m., so make sure you make it appointment listening to. I'm Jeff Meller. If you want to uh, contact me on Twitter, I'm at Jeff underscore Meller, M-E-L-L-E-R. Stick around. Fred and Xander are up next.